Youth, how you feeling tonight? Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for joining us and choosing to spend some of your Wednesday night with us here at Bridge Youth, especially the guy in the middle with the Raiders hat. Special shout out to him. <laughs> hey, um, if you are brand new, maybe this is the first time that you've ever been here to Bridge Youth. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been to our church. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church. Uh, we just want to say welcome. We're so stoked that you're here. One of our favorite things in the entire world is meeting new people. And so I uh, met a couple new people already today and so stoked that we have. Because seriously, meeting new people is one of our favorite things in the whole world. And we like welcoming our new people every single week in a way that for us, it never, ever gets old. So whether you're in the room or you're watching online, this is for you. We like welcoming our guests by saying, <clears throat> everybody go, <clears> throat> Anybody who's never been here before is like, why are they clearing their throat? This is why. Because we're here to build you up, not... Beat you up. Yeah, we back you. We love you. You don't have to believe to belong here. We've got one rule. If you're in the room, you are family. And so if you got a Bible, open your Bible to Revelation. Yes, Revelation chapter 12. Don't worry. It's one of the friendly Revelation verses. Uh, tonight, we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Journeys. Somebody say Journeys. Journeys. Now, somebody sing the famous Journey song that we all know. What type? Um, hold up, hold up, hold up. Amber, like in front of God and all of Bridge Youth, I'm just going to let them all know. I'm disappointed that you started in the chorus of that song. Every, if you're going to sing Journey, don't stop leaving. You, you always start at, just a small town girl. She took a midnight train going. That's nothing to do with Journey. Just like last series has nothing to do with Marvel. But here's what it really is about. It's about that everyone. Someone say everyone. Look at your neighbor. Say that means you. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. That means you as well. Second choice. It, it, it means this. It's, this whole series is about this right here. Everyone is on a journey. Everyone is on a journey. And throughout this series, we're going to have a bunch of different people share a bunch of different parts of their journey. And yes, tonight, I'm going to share with you my story. Uh, if you're a Christian and you grew up in church and you love vegetables, you're sold out. What was the cucumber? Uh, what was that? No, what was the, uh, what was the tomato's name? Bob. Like Bob the tomato was your first crush, you know? Uh, if that's you, uh, we, call these, we call these testimony series. This is my, this is my testimony but really, we're just going to be talking about our journeys, our journeys. And so tonight, I'm going to be sharing with you my journey. Hey, you don't want to miss next week. Somebody say next week. You don't want to miss next week because next week we have um, uh, one of our friends who's off at college right now, not Steve from Blue's Clues. He also made a guest appearance on social media recently, and I got teary-eyed when I watched the video. I was like, I've never stopped thinking about you either, Steve. 
I hope college treated you good. Can we just go check the mail and talk to Mr. Salt? I was seriously a big Blue's Clues fan. I even liked Magenta, the other dog that was in there. Her name was Magenta. Okay, you guys are fake fans. Uh, but our friend Jake Mosher, he's going to be coming uh, down from Biola University to share his story. And also uh, next week, tag teaming with Jake Mosher, we have the one and the only Quentin Madore sharing his story as well. So trust me, you don't want to miss next week. But tonight, you're stuck with me, and you're going to hear about my story in this brand new series entitled Journeys. Every week, you're going to hear this statement. So here it is. Everyone is on a journey, and this is mine. I, I decided, uh, even though I'm just sharing my story, my testimony, my journey, I still decided to give you a sermon in a sentence, because uh, if you know me, uh, you know about four things, that I love Jesus, you know that I think my wife is super hot, you know that I love the Las Vegas Raiders, and you also know that I talk a lot. If you know me, you know those four things, and so if you forget everything else, um, walk away with this, remember this. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you're taking notes, God loves you more. I love you more. If you're taking notes, then um, all the food you'll eat for the next month will be zero calories, no matter what you eat. But if you don't take notes in church tonight, um, actually, like, you will find toenail clippings in all of your food for the rest, for the next month. So, you ever, you ever clip your toenails uh, or your fingernails too short, and then, like, you're, it's, like, all sensitive? And then you think, Zay, like, you're, you're a big, strong man. You ever... Like you do that, and then it's like, so are you, Quincy. Back to Zay now for a moment. <laughs> you ever do that, and then like it's all sensitive, and you have that moment, like that like internal dichotomy of like, am I a sissy? Like, am I like so weak because I'm thinking about this all day? Like, it hurts so bad. My fingernails are too short, and that's nothing to do with the message. Write this down if you're taking notes tonight. God can write a better story with your life than you can, so give him the pen. God can write a better story with your life than you can, so give him the pen. How many know that certain things value depends on whose hand it is in? For example, a football in my hands. Some of you guys were throwing the football outside earlier. A few of you guys got some. You guys got a cannon. I saw one kid. He looked like 15. He threw that thing. It went all the way over the building into the, into the valley of the shadow of death over there. I was like, what the heck? This kid's like 15. Uh, a football in my hands, it ain't worth nothing. Put a football in Derek Carr's hands, on the other hand, I'm convinced one of the best quarterbacks and probably the most underrated quarterback in the league. Uh, you put it in his hands, it's worth millions. All right, we lost some people. Uh, basketball, you put a basketball in my hands, and I have to pay to play in a league. I do, I pay to play in a basketball league. You put a basketball in LeBron's hands, it's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. People will pay him to just play basketball. You put a golf club in my hands, it's worth about half of my day and a lot of frustration. <laughs> you put it in Tiger Woods' hands, it's, it's worth multiple championships. You, you, put a, you put a paintbrush in my hand, I can't, I can't paint blue from Blue's Clues. Put it in Michelangelo's hand and you have the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Put the pen of our lives in our hands, there's not much we can do, but put it in God's hands, the author and finisher of our faith, and he can create and write a story that is above and beyond all you could ever ask, imagine, or dream of. Because the value of something often is dependent on whose hands that thing is in. And so tonight, I really want to encourage you to put the pen of your life into God's hands. You've been writing the story up to this point. How's it going? <laughs> 
I know for me, as I wrote my own story, up until I handed that pen to God, I'm a journaler, I journal a lot, um, all the pages, and you saw in our, in our bumper video kind of a depiction of this, all these, and if you didn't notice it, some of you artistic people, you noticed this as, the, as that journal, as that diary sat on, the, um, on the, the table, you saw all the pages to the left were all written on, but the ones on the other side to the right, they were blank. Some of you artistic people, you saw that, you're like, ooh, I noticed that. What's the symbolism? Everybody else was like, I saw the paper airplane that flew by. I was sick. <laughs> and man, you take the pen of your life and you write your own story, it's going to be as good of a story as you can write. But you take that same pen and you put it in the hands of the creator of the universe and watch what he'll do. Amen. So uh, tonight, I, I need somebody. Uh, let's see. Let's get a, we've had a couple junior high boys. We got a, do we got a middle school girl, a middle school girl in the room that would be willing to read our scripture? It's one scripture. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Well, Danny, you should sit. Do you want to read our scripture tonight? You do not have to. You do? Come on. Come on up, girl. Yeah. I like, I like the flannel tied around the waist. That's sick. What's your name, girl? Honey. Hunt. Is it? How do you spell that? H-O-N-E-Y. <laughs> See how she said that? H-O-N-E-Y. How else are you going to spell it? No, H-U-N-N-Y, I'm not sure. Okay, you see that highlighted in, uh, in yellow right there? That is Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, New International Version. We're going to have you read that. But first, would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? All right, honey. I mean, not because that's your name, not because I'm calling you honey, but all right, honey. <laughs> would you read for us Revelation chapter 12, verse number 11? The true hibbative over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony, they did not love their lives as much as the shrink from death. Thank you, honey. Give it up for honey, everybody. One more time. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Let's pray. God, you're good. We love you so much, God. You are awesome. We praise you. We magnify your holy name. God, I pray in Jesus' name, I pray in Jesus' name that you, this week, it's, a, it's an imperative and an important week in, uh, I know my life, God, maybe everybody else doesn't care, they're heathens and they, they're non-Americans here who don't love American football, but God, for the rest of us, save sanctified saints who love football, God, I pray in Jesus' name I don't care about tomorrow, Thursday. I don't care about Sunday. But God, Monday night, primetime football, 5.15 Pacific Standard Time, as your team, the Las Vegas Raiders, face off against the Baltimore Ravens, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless your team, that you would not bless the Baltimore Ravens. God, I don't care that I have Lamar Jackson in one of my fantasy football teams. God, I pray that they would lose, and they would lose actually just by a little bit because I need some points in fantasy football, and you would bless your team, the Las Vegas Raiders, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. A lot of amens that time. A lot of usually people are like I don't know if I'm gonna amen that I hate the Raiders. Well, okay, whatever. And I hate you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, um, have you ever been in so much trouble you thought your parents were gonna kill you? You're like, I'm about to be a victim of murder. <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. My parents are gonna kill me. I want to share with you a story. Um, when I thought that my parents were going to murder me. Like, I literally thought that my parents were going to kill me. Like, actually kill me. No joke. I was afraid for 
my life. Um, so in sharing my journey, uh, one of the things just like as kind of a precursor before I get into my story uh, that you need to know, uh, my family, we were ghetto. Like we were hood. We were broke. We didn't have money. Nothing. Like I know here in Temecula, you don't know what this, what, what this is, but we were on this. It was, it was called welfare. We were on welfare. We uh, lived in like one bedroom apartments the majority of my life. You, and I, I kind of struggle sometimes to like help people understand like what type of broke we grew up with. And I'll be like, oh, like the electricity got turned off sometimes. I'm like, uh, I don't really, like, I can't connect with that. Like, I've always had electricity. I can't relate to that. And one of the ways that will help people understand how broke we were is I'll tell them this. Everybody knows this thing in life. It's a beautiful thing. Often right after school, long day, you get home, you're tired. You're, oh, man. There's one thing that's just, like, there for you all the time, and that's your afternoon snack. Snacks. What's your go-to snack? Like, just shout it out. What's your go-to snack? Pop-Tarts? All right, can I give you really quick a Pop-Tart, Pop-Tart hack, Pop-Tart hack. Get a Pop-Tart, throw it in the toaster. As soon as you get your Pop-Tart out the toaster, butter your Pop-Tart. Trust me, trust me. Don't look at me like that, Hattie. You judgmental eyes. Trust me, it is, you'll never eat Pop-Tarts regular ever again. Uh, Rice Krispie treats, bro. Rice, Rice Krispie treats hit different. Here's how broke we were growing up. We weren't allowed to have snacks. Like, we didn't do snacks in, in our household because literally it was like we struggled to the point where it's like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like, that was it. And so we couldn't have snacks. We didn't do snacks in the house. Uh, we never had soda, stuff like that. Like, you thought your life was a struggle. I didn't drink soda till I was 19 years old. Uh, that's not true. I drank soda before I was 19. Um, but we didn't do snacks. So, so one night, um, my mom and my stepdad, they were getting ready to go get dinner. They were going to get the, uh, the, the, the prestigious, the, the really well-known, delicious, God-given KFC. And so I went to go get KFC, and my parents, no snacks in the house, that's the rule, said, hey, Josh, Corey, we're going to get KFC. We're going to get dinner right now. Don't need anything. We'll be back in 30 minutes. Don't need anything. We're going to get dinner. I said, okay, cool. Make sure to get extra mac and cheese because we all know KFC's mac and cheese goes crazy. Also, El Pollo Loco's mac and cheese. Amazing. Um, Unpopular opinion, both of which are better than Chick-fil-A's mac and cheese. Just saying. It's true. It's true. Don't kill the messenger. That one's directly from the Lord, okay? (laughs) I know it's the Lord's chicken, but still. Uh, and so they're like, don't eat anything. So yeah, yeah, no problem. And, and they kind of like repeated themselves a bunch of times. It was a little bit where it was like, you never repeat yourself this much. And like, don't eat anything. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, no problem. We're not getting anything. We got it. You're getting KFC, all that, you know, extra crispy and extra mac and cheese. Do you think? Like, we'll see you in 30 minutes. They leave. They walk out, close the front door. Boom. This was BC, okay? I need to preface this next part with this was BC. What does BC stand for? This was before Corey knew Christ, okay? (laughs) BC, in this situation, stands for before Christ in Corey's life, all right? They close the door. They walk out. I wait to hear that they leave, and I go, I look at my brother, my older brother, Josh. I look straight at him. I go, yeah. He looks at me. He's like, what? I go, F mom and dad, but I said the word. Um, It was BC. Don't judge me. There's so much judgment in the room right now. 
All right, let me just lead myself to the Lord real quick, and then you guys can stop judging me, okay? I was not saved. I was a disrespectful punk, okay? Uh, I know. I should have never said that. Okay, can we move on with the story now, and you can take your judgmental looks off the face, okay? Um, so I said that, and then I went into the kitchen, and I proceeded to... Uh, eat all the snacks, <laughs> like, but here's the thing, when we were kids, like, growing up hood, not being able to have snacks, you became strategic, so what you do, what you do is you don't go to the chips and eat, like, half a bag of chips, we had three, four bags of chips uh, in, in the cupboard, what you do is you eat, like, two chips from each bag, and you put it right back where you found it, if you're gonna have a bowl of cereal, you only put a tiny bit of milk in your cereal, what goes first, the cereal or the milk? Thank you, you guys are saved, if you said milk, there's something wrong with you, something wrong with you. Put the cereal first for sure. All right, so, so if you're going to do cereal, you get like a tiny bit of each cereal so it's not noticeable. So I got a little bit of cereal, get a little bit of, I got a little bit of, uh, uh, of every single chip, tiny bit of soda that's like unnoticeable. I'm saying, I went to town. Like by the time my parents are getting back home, bless you, by the time my parents are getting back home, I am full. We sit down for dinner, sitting there. I like get a little bit of everything because I'm literally full. Like I ate like all the snacks, you know, and, and my parents, like, are kind of noticing. They're like, hey, Corey, because I would usually eat a ton. They're like, you're not eating much. And, like, we got the extra mac and cheese for you. You barely touched it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, my stomach's feeling a little weird. And, uh, yeah, and they're like, you didn't eat anything while we were gone, did you? I was like, Mom, Dad, me? Me. You know, maybe Josh, that heathen. Like, he might be demon-possessed. But me? No, no, I'm not me. Mom, never would I ever do anything that you've ever told me not to do. I would not do that. Come on, I love you, honor you, respect you, all of it. And they're like, okay, no problem. So then they leave. I, get, I have to give you really quick the layout of our, of our apartment at this time. So we have like, let's say the living room here. As you walk this way, here's like a hallway. Here's our front door. There's the kitchen. Right straight into this hallway is my, uh, my parents' room, my, my mom and my stepdad. You go this way, and you turn down the hall. That was my room. That's almost irrelevant. That was mine and my brother's room over there. But the important part is there's my parents' room. It's a straight shot to the kitchen, right? Straight shot to the kitchen. My mom and my dad, they go into their room, and they come walking out. This is after dinner. And they're holding a video camera. Remember when I told you we were broke? I looked at them and said, where'd the video camera come from? <clears throat> where'd the video camera come from? They're like, oh, we just got it. I said, that's awesome. You can now film all the sports events of mine that you never come to. Uh, so where'd you get it? And they're like, uh, we'll ask the questions here. Yeah, sure, you didn't eat anything while we are gone. I said, no. <laughs> Oh, bro, when I tell you my heart was beating a million miles an hour. And literally here, here was like my, I didn't even believe in God yet. Here was my prayer. God, God, please let there just be no audio on this thing. <laughs> You're like, let them see that I ate all the snacks. That's fine. That's like a whooping and a, a week's grounding. That's fine. But if they hear the audio, oh my God, like they will murder me. They will literally murder me. So they plug in the, uh, they're plugging in the, 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 the video camera to the TV. And in my day and age, we didn't have HDMI. We had these three cords. It, they, 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 were, they were yellow, white, and red. Everybody knows what the yellow one was? It's the video. The white and the red were the audio. I see my parents hook up the camera, and they plug in the yellow one. I was like, please, God, please, God, no, no. And then they grab the red 
and the white, and they plug it in. I was like, God, if you are real, this is the time to make yourself known. I don't need signs. I don't need wonders. I just need you to mute the audio on this camera. You all remember what I said. I remember what I said. They look at us before they hit play and said, sure, there's nothing. Nothing you want to tell us. I said, oh, my God. They hit play, and you can hear the audio. And you hear them. All you see in the, in the frame is, is from their bedroom, they had put the camera on a bunch of clothes, and they stacked clothes on top of it on their bed, and it was shooting straight into the kitchen. You could see the kitchen from this, and you couldn't see anybody in frame yet because they're still in the living room, and you can hear them go, hey, um... Make sure to not eat anything, you guys. We're going to get KFC. We'll be right back. My heart is literally, like, it's going, dude. I was like, God, please, please, please. They go. They're like, all right, guys, don't eat anything. Goodbye. They close the door. You hear the thud of the door. You hear the longest three seconds of silence that you've ever felt. Me, I'm sitting And then I, like, on the, on the audio, I can, like, hear myself take the breath. Yo, F mom and dad, and my mom turns and just starts beating me to death on the spot. Like, um, I, I died. They, they had to bring me back to life because my parents killed me on the spot. <sighs> Have you ever been in so much trouble you thought your parents were going to actually kill you? Like, first off, don't ever mouth off to your parents like that because if your mom's anything like mine, you're going to spend at least four days in the hospital after you do something like that. Because that's how many days I spent in the hospital after that. Some of you guys are like, my parents have never spanked me. It's like, oh. <laughs> we know. We can tell. <laughs> uh, why, why, why do you bring that up, Corey? Why do, you, why do you tell such an awful story from your BC days? It's all because of this. Lessons from my story, from my life. The first one being this. Write this down. God can save and use anyone. <laughs> You guys, I'm now standing on stages and platforms preaching the gospel. Pastor is in front of my name. When I sign letters of recommendation, it's Reverend White, all right? Like, can you believe that kid is now this guy? Like, God can use and save anyone. Somebody say amen. And my life is, is, my life is testament of that. My journey is testament of that. I love this, Romans 8, verse 5. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still cussing out our parents, Christ died for us. <laughs> while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me share with you guys some of the, the early parts of my journey and my story. Um, some of you might relate to some of this, some of you might not. I, I was born into some pretty uh, precarious circumstances and not ideal circumstances. I, I was born to a single mom. My, my biological father was already out of the picture. I was actually born um, with drugs in my system and I was immediately taken from my mom. My brother, my older brother, Josh, who's three years older than me, his dad was also already out of the picture and having drugs in my system. Um, they also took my brother from my mom. They split us up. Um, we almost went into foster care, but my aunt ended up taking me and our grandparents ended up taking my older brother. And it was only actually fairly recently that I realized that we were actually split up for about a year 
close to a year, and that was while my, um, my mom went and did rehab. She did rehab, she got clean, and she got us back, and all the respect in the world for my mom for that. But that was like the first year of my life, and, and grew up um, with a single mom. It was just my brother, my mom, and me for a really long time. Um, we did not, we, we did not have money. I, I still remember to this day my mom working two, sometimes three jobs, uh, waitressing tables to provide for us. I, I still remember times when uh, my mom would uh, get home from working a double shift at Sizzler. She'd get home, she'd cook us dinner, and then me and my, um, me also very, I don't know if it's a popular or unpopular opinion, Sizzler is trash, bro. Sizzler sucks so terrible. Like if you, if you eat at Sizzler, you are either 90 years old or your taste buds don't work. You know, like it's one of the two. Sizzler sucks. Um, but Sizzler was paying the bills at the time. So respect to Sizzler. Okay. Uh, but, but, uh, I, I still remember my mom getting home, working double shifts at Sizzler, cooking us dinner, and then seeing like my mom giving me and my brother Josh food, but not, but not any for herself. And, and, and be like, Mom, how come you're not eating? She'd say, oh, you know, I ate at work or, or, um, or I'm not hungry or whatever it might be. And later on in life, realizing that my mom only had enough money to feed my brother and myself and not herself. So choosing to feed us and, not, and choosing to not eat herself. That was the situation that we grew up in. My dad was already out of the picture. Um, about, you know, between four and six, seven years old, guys were in and out of the house all the time. Every guy had the same story. They'd come in. Um, just about long enough for us to start being like calling them dad and then and then they would leave so the trust issues and the abandonment issues that I faced really young were, were real um about seven years old close to seven years old um my mom had met my stepdad who she is still married to to this day if you ever hear me say the only times I'll really actually call him my stepdad is in moments like this when I'm on platforms where I need to give clarity to my story and and the <laughs> crazy. Anybody else have a crazy family? A family crazy. Uh, and the crazy family dynamic that I grew up in. If you ever hear me say my dad, I'm talking about Eric, my stepdad, who is still married to my mom. He is my dad. Because how many people know that family is so much more than blood, right? And so um, I knew that and, and learned it when I was very young. And so um, my stepdad came into my life around seven years old. And right around the same time, my biological father kind of resurfaced and came back into my life as well. My mom never re-engaged in a relationship with him. She was with my stepdad before he had come back, but I went from no dads to two dads, and I was so confused. Well, I would go see my biological father about every other weekend, and I never knew why, but we would only go to the park around the corner um, to see him and to hang out with him. That's where I'd spend time with him. I was never allowed in his house, and I didn't know why. I later came to find out it was uh, one of the local drug houses, and so what was happening in that house, I couldn't be around. And so this kind of went on for six, seven, eight months, and, and kind of started getting close to my dad. His name was Cliff, and, and right around the time that I stopped calling him Cliff and I started calling him dad, my mom had a conversation with him that I didn't know about, and this conversation went something like, Cliff, if you're going to continue to be on drugs, I'm not going to bring Corey around to see you anymore because he can't be around you when you're high. And so two weeks later, we went to go see my dad, and, and my mom knocks on the door. We're getting ready to go to the park around the corner, and somebody else answered the door of his house. And my mom immediately went into a panic and started asking, where's Cliff? And the lady said, well, he moved about 10 days ago. And my mom asked, well, did he leave a phone number? Did he leave anything? So she, he didn't leave anything, and I, I never... I literally never saw my dad again. And that was, that was all by the age of seven. 
Well, fast forward to junior high. Now I'm this kid who's growing up in East Riverside, which is like Diet Compton. You know, you grow up on the west side of Riverside. That's one thing. East side of Riverside, it's bad news. And so that's where I was growing up. And, and I found myself um, dealing with like a lot of the abandonment issues, still not really knowing the role of my stepdad in my life. He was working uh, two, three construction jobs. So he'd be gone before we woke up and then he'd be getting home from work after we'd already go to sleep. He was living with us two, three years before I actually got to know him because of how hectic the work schedule was for him to do what the honorable thing was, which was to, um, to, to provide for our family and to do it in the one way he knew how, which was to work construction. And so I didn't even really know him. I had really no father figure no, no uh, father figure in my life. So I, I kind of just went crazy. And very, very young, I started doing things in, at 13 that most 23-year-olds hadn't done. I found myself in East Riverside hanging out with my friends whose older brothers were all gang members. And we'd go and hang out with them all the time. Uh, the first time that I ever, and some of you guys... Uh, um, everybody in this room is older than fifth grade, and some of you guys will have to have some conversations about your parents about what I'm about to say because you won't completely understand everything that I'm going to say. But the first time that I ever smoked weed was in the fifth grade. And so my life was crazy, and I was doing all, I, I call middle school, I literally to this day when I share my story, I'll call middle school the dark ages because middle school was so crazy for me. And I look back on middle school now, and I am absolutely like blown away at what life looked like for me. At 13 years old, I was hanging out with some of uh, my friends and their older brothers who were gang members. They, I remember they would always have me um, be the one to steal alcohol and stuff at liquor stores because at 13, I looked like I was seven, you know? And so I was like, I was always younger than I looked and, and um, the cashier behind the counter would never look in my direction when we would all walk into a liquor store. So they do that. And one time they... Um, they, they tried to get me to steal a car, and I tried to steal this car. I couldn't figure out how to get into the car. <laughs> it was like over here, like, I had like, I don't even remember what I had. I had like a bobby pin or something, and I'm like just pushing in the door. I'm like, guys, it's not working. They're like, keep trying. I'm like, I don't know what I would have done if I like got in the car. I'd get in and be like, all right, I'm pretty sure that the R stands for really fast. Like, let's go, you know? I, I would have known what to do. I would have got away with like some CDs or something. Like, but that was like the life that I was living. By the time I was a freshman, I found myself broken, dealing with uh, very real depression. Uh, I had all types of learning disabilities from ADHD. I was minorly dyslexic. I had a speech impediment. I was behind in reading and writing all the way uh, through elementary school. And then, yeah, now, God, like, speech impediment? Let's call you to be a preacher. I was like, oh, God, you're funny. You're funny, dude, God. Um, but by the time I be got to my freshman year, I was lost. I was broken. I was depressed. And if I had to use any word to explain what was going on internally for me, the word would be apathy. I really just didn't care about anyone or anything. And that's honestly and sincerely where I was at, at 15 years old. And you might be like, Corey, I brought my friend to church today, and you decide to share this, man? Like, Come on, you're usually, you usually got the jokes and you're like, fun, Mr. Funny, like, come on, sprinkle this with some humor. Um, we will soon, okay? But I, I share all this to share this lesson. Here's something that, because a lot of that, none of you can, <laughs> some of that, like, none of you can, can relate to it. Some of it you can. Some of you have been abandoned by a parent. 
Some of you have had drugs or alcohol in your home. Some of you, you don't relate with that as much as you relate with the financial issues and the instability in life that that can bring. Some of you don't relate with any of that, but as soon as I said the word broken and lost, you related to that. Some of you, you don't feel that, but as soon as I mentioned the word depressed, you're like, that's me. And so no matter where, what it is that you connect with in, in the parts of my story, here's the real lesson that I want you to learn. God can save and use anybody. And my life is evidence of that. This is not like, let me share my life with you to show you how awesome. They should make this into a movie. No, they shouldn't. Like, for the love of God, they shouldn't. It's to, it's to say this. God, if God can save me, he could save anybody. If God could use me, oh my goodness. If God can use me, he can use anybody. He can use you. Look at your neighbor. Say you. I really hope you didn't choose the same person second both times. But if you did, look at the second choice and say, I know I chose you second, but God can use you too. God can use you. I was lost. I was broken. I was hopeless. And I share this part of my journey to tell you that, that God can use and save anyone. Know this. Write this down if you're taking notes. Your history has no power over your destiny. Come on, your history has no power over your destiny. Somebody say amen. All you have to do is come to Jesus. Um, growing up, uh, growing up hood, and here's the thing. It's like people would be like, oh, like people who grew up in the hood, like their parents, whoop them. It's like, that's true. But like basically like unless your family uppity, like you get whooped, okay? Like the only families who don't like whoop their kids are the uppity families. Like it doesn't matter. It's one of the things that across all... <laughs> all spectrums of life, like, you just get whooped, okay? Um, that's one thing. But one of the things in, like, uh, kind of hood families is, uh, I don't know, maybe your family was like this as well. Um, when my mom would, from across the house, go, Corey, you know what that didn't mean? That did not mean that I sat wherever I was at and went, yeah? What does it mean when, you're, when your mom or your dad Yell your name from across the house. <laughs> Hold on, wait. Like, because if you're not there, my mom was, a th anybody else's mom did this? Corey, one, two, and if she got the three, you knew life was over, right? You knew as soon as mom or dad calls your name, that it's not sit there and yeah, it's go to wherever they're at. Can I tell you tonight? God has already called your name, and he has not called you to sit where you're at and respond, yeah, he's called you to go and be with him. Jesus said, if anyone, somebody say anyone, if anyone would come after me, can I tell you, young person, God's called your name. How do you know that? Because he called mine. And if he calls my name, he is calling your name. And all it means is get up and go to him. Amen. All right, the next thing, uh, write this down if you're taking notes. Everyone needs a Kevin. As soon as, I, as soon as I made this a point, I thought immediately of Kevin from SpongeBob. I remember Kevin from SpongeBob? The chump. So I didn't grow up in church. I think you probably pieced that together. Uh, but my freshman year in high school, as I found myself broken and depressed and lost and hopeless, I met somebody in my fifth period class, and his name was Kevin Calzia. And Kevin Calzia, uh, um, 
as soon as I met him, we, we kind of just uh, began talking about music. And, and he listened to a lot of the same type of music um, I listened to. I, I grew up uh, listening to every, when people ask me, what kind of music do you listen to, Corey? I say, good music, okay? It's like Donda or CLB. I say, I don't have time for either, either of those. The new Laney album came out, and I'm, all I'm listening to is the new Laney album, okay? Um, but Donda, for sure. Um, but, but, but here's the thing. Like, we just linked over music. That's the first thing we talked about. And then he goes, hey, Corey, um, uh, you should come to the Christian club with me. Immediately, like in my head, I was like, nope. <laughs> he didn't finish his sentence. He's like, you should come to the Christian. I was like, nope, not for me. But here's the thing, like, um, there's this, like, weird dynamic in most hood families that they're, like, wild and they're crazy. And my family was wild and they're crazy. Like, the first time Amber ever came over to the house, they shocked her with a cattle prod. You're probably wondering, what's a cattle prod? Cattle prod is like a taser that they use to help train cows and to get cows to go. I don't know how my dad got his hands on a cattle prod, but he got his hands on a cattle prod. We all thought it was hilarious to shock each other with it. The first time Amber ever came over, he tried. She ran up the street. She booked it. As she ran away, I was like, there she goes. <laughs> Out of my life forever. But she came back, y'all. Praise God. She came back. <laughs> but um, there's this, like, weird dynamic in hood families where, like, they're crazy, but they're, they're also, like, really, they're huge on respect. Like, my family was huge on respect. Like, we couldn't eat with our elbows on the table, couldn't chew with our mouth open. If my, if my father ever saw me, um, ever saw, like, a lady walk by and I didn't hold the door, I'm getting the heck beat out of me. Like, it was the end of the world. Like, we treated my mom and, and my sisters like queens 24-7 because my family was a lot, very big on respect. It was, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. To this day, if you see me around my parents, you'll often see me when my mom will say something. It's yes, ma'am. Yeah, you got it. Like, that's just how my parents raised me. And so as Kevin invited me to the Christian club, I immediately went into how I was raised. And it was like, okay, be respectful. So I respectfully lied to him. <laughs> I said, dude, definitely. I'll be there. And I didn't show up. Here's the thing. I don't know how your school schedule works, but for us, fifth period was after lunch. Christian club was at lunch on Fridays. So every Friday that he'd, like, he'd invite me, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up. I'm going to be there, dude. Don't worry about it. I'm there. Well, I, I would like not go. I would ditch him, and then I'd have to see him. Right up. And the stories ran out quick. I made every excuse I possibly could. Most of it was like, dude, I was in detention. Ah, oh, dude, I was in detention, right? And, and he continues. Here's the thing about Kevin. It was so cool. He just continued to invite me. He never, ever got, like, upset or his feelings hurt. He never was like, bro, whatever. Like, don't talk about it. Be about it. Like, he was never like that. He was just like, hey, dude, no worries. Stuff happens. Like, next time. We have it every week. So, you know, it's all good. Next week. And then I wouldn't go next week. He'd be like, hey, dude, it's all good. We got it next week. Come up. Show up next week. It's going to be sweet, man. Uh, no worries. And then he'd invite me the next week. I politely lied to Kevin for months. No joke. Months. You guys are judging me again. I can feel it. I can feel Brooklyn. I see your eyes. You're judging me so hard. Um, but then one week, everybody say one week, Kevin said, Corey, you should go to Christian Club this week. I said, yeah, dude, I'll be there. He was like, seriously, there's going to be free pizza. I said, what? <laughs> I said, I'll be there. 
And I did. I went. Why? Because, well, I was broke and I was a stoner. So you tell a broke stoner that there's free pizza and he's going to be there. For the love of God, when we do Christian clubs on your campuses or we give away free pizza here at the bridge, invite your broke stoner friends. Uh, There's nobody broke in Temecula. Invite your stoner friends, okay? They'll get saved and they'll give their life to Jesus and they'll stop being a stoner like I did. (laughs) But I did. I went. I went to get free pizza. And that day I remember this guy. He looked like Jesus. He went, I just got back from a missions trip for 18 months in Mexico serving Jesus. I said, bro, you serve Jesus so long you look like Jesus. Like he had a beard. He had long hair. All of it. And I was like, dude, (laughs) I didn't know y'all had Jesus here serving the free pizza. What's going on? And and I remember, I don't remember what he talked about. I remember his name was Josh. Um, uh, I don't remember what he what he had talked about, but I do remember at the end of his talk, he, he said, look, here's the thing. 2,000 years ago, Jesus took a chance on you. Why not take a chance on him? And something just clicked. I said, like, dude, that's a great point. Why not just take a chance on Jesus? If you're in this room tonight and you've never given Jesus a chance, why not? Why not take a chance? I remember thinking to myself in that classroom, it, the lights weren't dim, there was no keyboard player playing, the hazer wasn't on, there was no vibe or mood set, okay? And I know what you're thinking, how could the Holy Spirit even operate? <laughs> well, he did. <laughs> in that awkward, like, fluorescent light room with 50, 60 of my high school peers there, he said, um, why not take a chance on Jesus? And I remember thinking, yeah, what do I have to lose? And as I thought that, I saw, literally, I was like, Dude, I have, like, legitimately nothing to lose. He said, all right, well, so if you want to uh, give your life to Jesus, just stand up right now. And there was no keyboard. He didn't say, all right, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, out of respect for the people around you making a decision, Christians praying in the room right now. No, it was just like, oh, yeah, so uh, if you want to give your life to Jesus, take a chance on him, just stand up right now. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm standing. Like, I, I literally, I was like, dude, I didn't, when did I go from seated to standing? And I'm standing and I look around and nobody else is standing. And I'm like, oh. and then I see somebody over here stand up. I was like, thank you. Oh my gosh. Somebody else stood up. I was like, yes, you're the best. Like, I'm not alone. Huh. And everything changed for me that day. Everything changed. That day I stopped smoking. I stopped going to to parties and places that I shouldn't be at. A lot of the people I spent my time with, I stopped spending my time with them. At the time, I was, like, literally, I was stealing everything. If I wanted it, I just went and I stole it. No joke, like, literally, if I want. Like, I I never paid for a pair of shoes. I would just go steal shoes. And um, I stopped stealing stuff. Everything changed. Can I tell you, that was 15 years, I was 15 years old at the time. I've never backslidden. I've never walked away from the Lord. I've sinned, I've messed up, of course. We all, we all have messed up, we've all sinned. If you're brand new in the room, you're about to have the most encouraging moment you've ever had in your life. Raise your hand real quick, Bridge Youth. Raise your hand if you've ever sinned or messed up. See how quick those hands went up? Like, yep, that's me. That's why we're here. So I am a mess. And I need God to turn that mess into a message. Come on, somebody. Um, but everything changed for me that day, everything. And it wouldn't have happened if not for Kevin. Everybody needs a Kevin. Now, here's the thing. Kevin didn't just quit at connection. He moved on to investment. Every single Wednesday, that was youth at the church that he was going to called Harvest Christian Fellowship. It was a church um, in Riverside. And every Wednesday, he said, hey, why don't we start doing this? You skate, right, Corey? You skate? I was like, it's my life. 
And he was like, well, Jesus is your life now, but we'll figure that out later. <laughs> and I was like, yes, absolutely. All like, like, literally, it's the only thing in life I care about. He's like, why don't we, on Wednesdays, we'll skate. My parents will pick us up. They'll take us to church. And I'm like, that's great, but like, harvest on the other side of town. Like, I'll have no way to get home. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll take you, we'll take you home every week. And we did that every single week for the rest of the school year. Every week, he invested. It, it cost him time. It cost him money. He had a ton of other friends. Kevin was actually pretty popular. I thought he was popular at school. He was super popular at church. Like, everybody knew Kevin at church. And funny thing, Amber was going to the church at the time. That church was so big, we never even ran into each other. Didn't realize that we both were going to the same church at the same time. And, and, and Kevin invested in me. Here's what you got to know. Here's a lesson from my life that you can learn. You got to be brave enough to stand alone, but you got to be wise enough to know you shouldn't. You need, we all need a Kevin in our lives. Let me flip this real quick. You're Kevin in somebody's life. Everybody, your youth pastor would not be standing here today, not for Kevin, just somebody who faithfully said, hey, you should come to Christian Club. You know when I got saved, you know, you know uh, what started to happen? People started People at my school started to, uh, I'll never say like, oh, I was popular. Grant says that stuff. I don't say that kind of thing. So I'm just kidding, Grant. <laughs> just joking. Um, I, I'll never say I was, I was popular, but I knew a lot. Like I knew everybody. That's just because I grew up in, in Riverside. So I knew pretty much everybody. I knew a ton of people. And, um, and, and I had a few friends come to me and go, hey, Corey, dude, the craziest friggin' rumor is going on. It's going around about you. I was like, really? What is it? It's like, People are saying that you became like a Christian or something. People actually started asking me this. They're like, no way, dude. I'm, I tried to tell them, like, no, not Corey. And I'm like, thanks, dude. <laughs> like, and I was telling tell my friends, no, it's, it's true, man. Like, that's why, like, you're not seeing me at the parties. That's why you're not seeing me. Dude. That's why you hear me talking different. That's why things have changed my life. And I'm like, seriously? Like, yeah, seriously. Like, actually? Like, yes, actually, stop sounding so surprised. Can I tell you the vast majority of my friends actually really respected it? They're like, hey, that's cool, dude. Like, great for you. That's not for me, but great for you. There's a few people who were like jerks about it, but for the most, mostly everybody was really cool about it. Nobody expected it, though. I was a hopeless case, and I thank God for people like Kevin who see hope in hopeless cases. Are you the type of person that sees hope in a hopeless case? Who's the hopeless case at your school? Because nobody else sees hope in them. Nobody else sees hope in them. Are you the type of person to see hope in that person? Maybe you're the hopeless case at your school, and you are so happy that somebody saw hope in you. Who's your Kevin, and who are you Kevin to? As the band heads up, the last point, um, the last point tonight from my story is this. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. That's a, something our lead pastor, Pastor Gary, says all the time. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. Here's the thing before I dive into the last part of my story that I want to share. Um, you, you can't choose the hand that you're dealt in life. I was born in East L.A. I was, I was uh, raised in East Riverside, and I couldn't choose any of that. Like, I was a kid, and so much of life, you can't choose the hand you're dealt. You can just choose how you play that hand, right? And and the same in playing, in, in playing cards, and I know, like, you guys don't play poker, but, like, you know, go fish. Uh, <laughs> you guys play go fish? In Uno, right? In Uno. Uh, you can't choose the cards that you're dealt, but you can choose how you play those cards. 
And can I tell you, the vast majority of people will play their hand like terrible cards. Well, fold. Got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Uh, and and they'll, they'll, here's the thing in life. So many people, they'll just say, well, well, my hand sucks. Like, well, I started so much further back than everybody else. Well, I was, like, I was at such a disadvantage from the get-go. Well, I was set up for failure. Well, I was this, and I was that, and I was this, and I'm, the, and I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Can I just tell you, like, you can't choose the hand that you're dealt, but you can choose how you play that hand. Stop looking at yourself like a victim just because you were dealt a tough hand. I get it. Me too. To the young person in the room who you had a parent who abandoned you. I get it. Me too. And it sucks. And it's not fair. And they should have been there. But here's what I know. You could be a victim or you can be a victor, but you can't be both at the same time. And when I started to realize that we had, we had stuff in, our, in God's word that said things like, you're not a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And that and nothing can separate you from his love. No angels or demons or principalities, no king, nothing can separate you. Not disease, not famine, not struggle, not hardship, nothing can separate you from God's love. And when I started realizing this, that every single victory I would ever need was already purchased for me on the cross, I realized I'm not... I haven't lost. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Jesus already purchased me every single victory I would ever need. I just need to stop looking at myself like a victim. And that was key. Can I tell you, you have a culture and a society and a world right now that wants you to look at yourself like a victim. That wants you to make every excuse to why I can't this and I can't that. I I could never do anything great. I could never change the world. God could never use me. God could, just for a moment, maybe you don't believe in God, but let's just for a moment, let's just all, let's just all for a moment say, assume that we all believe in God. If God is real, then Satan is real. And if we're standing here thinking things like, I could never do anything good for the world, I could never accomplish, I could, my life is too broken, I come from the wrong family, I grew up in the wrong city, I don't have this, I don't have, I'm, I was, I started from way back there, and everybody else started from way back, I'm too broken, I'm too depressed, I've messed up too many times, I could never do anything big for the kingdom. Who do you think is trying to tell you that? If God is real and Satan's real, who does that sound like? Right? Thank you to my man, Dane, in the middle. So don't listen to that. You have a whole culture and society and a world that wants you to think like that. Stop. Because you can be a victim or you can be a victor, but you can't be both at the same time. How you play your hand is up to you. I didn't know if I was going to share this story, but really quick. I was in Kenya a couple years ago. Pray for our pastors. Our pastors are in Kenya, um, East Africa right now. They're, they're there because we've built a church, and they're installing the pastors, and they're opening the doors of this church. You may not know, but here at the bridge, you are connected to people on the other side of the world who are making a difference for the kingdom in Africa, and your your brothers and sisters with them, and I just think that's so cool. But I was in Africa in Kenya a few years ago, and the first place that we stopped um, the second day that we were there was at a church in this small town. It was a small church, a small town. We got there, and I got to meet the pastors. And, and I remember, baby, you remember the picture of me holding that, that kid, and I was wearing slip-on bands. I had my backpack on, little kid, and the kid was super cool. Quiet, didn't say a word. This little girl, she didn't say a word. She just walked up to me. And I know what she was thinking. She walked up and went in her head, 
you're white. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> like, I know that's what she was thinking. And I just went like this, and she went, and, like, let me pick her up. I was like, dude, we're going to be hanging out this whole time. And I had a conversation uh, with the pastor of the church, and as we're talking, I was like, dude, I would love to just pray for you. Like, um, what can I pray for you about? And he goes, oh, uh, you could pray that, that uh, they don't burn down my church again. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. First off, you said a couple things I need to address. One, burn down church, that's crazy. Number two, you said again. What do you mean again? He's like, oh, yeah, uh, we came and we planted a church here. They've burned it down six times. And I was like, six times? He said, yeah. And I was like, well, who's burning it down? He said, well, there's some religious extremists in the area who don't like what we're doing or that we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they keep burning down our church. I was like, well, how long has this one, and I'm standing in the church, it's like, how long has this one been standing? And I'm like looking around, making sure no one's lighting matches, you know? I'm like, oh, I'm standing in the church right now. Uh, he's like, well, we've been here like about two and a half years, three years now. It's like, okay, well, how come they haven't burned this one down? He's like, oh, it's because after they burnt down my church for the sixth time, God said, rebuild the church again. I'm like, God, like why? They're just going to burn it down again. He said, rebuild it, but this time also open a school out of your church. See, schooling in Africa, it's different. And the only school in town, the quality of education was not very good. And they were able to get funding from some missions uh, organizations to put together what basically was the best school in the area. And so all the kids in the area started going to this school, and they started receiving good education. A few people went on to go to university and stuff like that. And so, so the religious extremists in the area were like, oh, well, we can't burn down our kids' school. Well, the kids that started going to school there started getting saved. And God started doing a work in this small town. How many other people do we know that after the first time church is burnt down, they'd be like, not for me, I'm out. This dude, talk about a bad hand, but talk about playing that hand like a baller. He said, you're gonna burn down my, oh, you're gonna burn down my church? No problem, I'll just build a school for your kids. And how many of us look at our lives and our stories and we go, my hand, it's so bad. And I tell you, God has better plans for your life than you have for yourself. And look at my life. You know what I wanted to do for a living? Well, plan A, I was going to be a pro skater. Wow, you guys laughed at my childhood dream. <laughs> I shared my childhood dream with you guys, and the response was giggles. That's tough. <laughs> All right, let's go, on to, let's go on to plan B, okay? I'm not going to be a pro skater. So I'm going to become a police officer. That was my next plan. Also met with giggles. Great. But I know, because you're thinking what I'm thinking. I would have been a terrible cop. I really would have. I'm too nice, and, and I, I, love, I love our police officers. I love the people who sacrifice, who, who, who lay their life uh, uh, in danger for, for our safety. And, and I think it's admirable. I think it's honorable. We have several police officers in our church who, who are great men and women. Um, and that's kind of what I saw. I was like, dude, like, I, I want to be someone who helps people. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a police officer. But I'm just too nice because I, I like, kind of forgot that, like, I also would have to write tickets, you know. And if I went to write someone a ticket, I'd just be like, I know you were going 120 and a 35 and it's a school zone. But, dude, you seem like a really nice guy. So, like, that would be me, you know. So that didn't work out. But can I tell you, God's plan was so much better. 19 years old, I was lost. My life kind of started falling apart again. But this time, not because I was destroying it, just see, things didn't work out. Because you could do everything right and still have things go wrong. 
And that's when your true faith will show. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are getting ready to be killed. They're going to be thrown into a a stand-up barbecue and literally burned to death for their faith. And they tell the guy who was about to kill him, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, man, like, you can try to, like, kill us for our faith, but, like, God's going to save us. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. See, and I was in that even if kind of season and, and I was homeless. I, I, I lost my job. All this stuff was happening. I was living out of my car. And in the midst of that season, I still went to youth camp as a youth leader. I don't know where that money came from, but I went to youth camp as a youth leader. And I remember sitting at Pinecrest, the same place that we still go to camp to today. It's a unique and a special place. Go to camp next year. Trust me. And I was sitting in the back left part of the room, and I don't remember, I don't know why I remember this, but I was literally sitting there with a Capri Sun straw in my hand. And I'm twiddling the Capri Sun straw. I don't know, they don't have Capri Suns at Pinecrest. I don't know where this Capri Sun straw came from. Um, But I was registered to go to RCC uh, literally in a couple weeks uh, to pursue criminal justice and and try to become a police officer. And I, I had a conversation before that service with my youth pastor. I said, man, like, my life's falling apart. I'm literally living out of my, my car. I don't really have anywhere. I'm bouncing from friend's house to friend's house, staying wherever I can, and I lost my job, and, and I'm going to school in the fall, not, like, long from now, but that doesn't even, I feel like I'm just doing that because that's what my older brother was going to do, and I don't know, like, I don't know what I should do. And my youth pastor said, Corey, um, have you ever prayed, like, God, what do you want to do with my life? And I was saved for like three and a half years at that point. And I realized I never prayed that prayer. He's like, well, why don't you just pray that and see what God says? So, so we get into the service, worship's happening. I'm the kid sitting in the back. I'm the youth, <laughs> let me rephrase that. I'm the youth leader sitting in the back, not worshiping God, twiddling a Capri Sun shot. The worst youth leader of all time, for sure. And I remember just saying this, God, tell me what to do with my life in this service. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And then the speaker went up on stage. I don't remember his name. Um, All I remember is he was from Colorado. Uh, That's literally the only thing I remember. Went up on stage and he started doing his intro uh, to his message and he stopped dead in the middle of his intro. And um, if you know anything about public speaking and preaching, you learn certain things like how important intros are and how important a hook is when you're going to be, um, even when you're writing, having a hook is really important when you're going to be doing um, any type of writing or public speaking. And, and right after his hook, he kind of just paused and, um, and he went silent for like 30 seconds, which like isn't a long time for silence, but at youth camp, that's a really long time for silence. Like you're just waiting for one of the junior high boys in the back to be like, <laughs> like, Ah, dang. And I would be the guy that's like, that's kind of funny, actually. Um, but please don't do that. Be, be reverent to the Lord, okay? Um, and after his 30 seconds of silence, he goes, I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to me right now. And, and I can't shake this or move on without saying that there's somebody in the room right now who's on their way to be a police officer or a firefighter, but God's calling you to ministry. And I think he's calling you to youth ministry. Don't run from that calling. God has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. And Amber and I are moving into our 14th year of full-time ministry. (laughs) 
Well, I went and I interned for a year. I interned for a year, and after that year, the next summer, I married the girl of my dreams, and we both got into full-time ministry. Can I tell you, God has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. You're not getting it. Like, you're not, you're not getting it. God has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. You take the pen of your life and you put it in God's hands, I promise you, he will write a better story. He will write a better story than you can. Here's, here's what God promises. God says, I am able to do above and beyond all you could ever ask, imagine, or dream of. That means God has already committed himself to, oh, this is what you've asked? Okay, I'll do this. This is what you've imagined? I'll do this. This is what you've dreamed of? I'll do this. This is, this is what's in your heart? No problem. I will exceed that. God's committed himself to that. But only if you put the pen of your life into his hands. That's the only stipulation. He said, I'll go above and beyond. And I know what's already happening because this happened in my life as well. I sat there and that preacher said that at Pinecrest and my, literally, literally right before that service, I had the conversation with my, with my youth pastor. Imagine you're me, imagine I'm my youth pastor. He went, just looked down like the row of chairs at me and he's like, I looked back and I was like, I know. He's like, are you hearing this? It's like, everybody's hearing this. <laughs> he's got a microphone. <laughs> I'll have a neon sign with my name on it. But in the moment, I started thinking, but that doesn't make any sense. Like, I can't be a pastor. You know, like, I wonder if, I started thinking, well, you know, I'm a musician. Maybe I'll just do, like, music stuff in ministry or something. Because um, I can't be a pastor. Like, you know, I, I, I thought, like, your dad's supposed to be a pastor if you're a pastor. My dad wasn't a pastor. My dad was in prison because that's what I found out later. The reason I'd never seen my dad ever again was because shortly after he had left, he, was in, he got locked up. He was in prison for the remainder of my childhood. It's like, I'm from the wrong family. I'm from the wrong neighborhood. Preacher, I have a speech impediment. <laughs> like, my life is the opposite of what teenagers should look at and, and, and model. So I started disqualifying myself. But John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. My journey is evidence of that. As I close, let me tell you one more time, God can write a better story with your life than you can. So give him the pen. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes all over this place? God, speak to us. God, I pray, touch every single heart and soften it. Those watching online, those in the room, I pray that they would know that you have a plan for their life, that you love them, that there's no mistake that they could make, that there's nothing that they could ever do could separate them from your love, God. All over this place with heads bowed, with eyes closed. Um, if that's you and, and you want that better plan, you want that better plan for your life. You want to do what I did at 15 years old. 
even despite your past, what you've walked through, what you've done. Talking, I want to talk for a moment to the kids who right now, you're still smoking, you're still partying, you're still getting in trouble, you're still going to those places, you're still doing those things, and you think that this moment is for everyone else, but it's not for you. This moment is for you. That's you. And you want this better plan that God has for your life. I'm going to ask you to respond in a simple way. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand and you can put it right back down if that's you. You might say, Corey, why do I have to lift my hand? I just think that when we respond on the outside to what God's doing on the inside, it solidifies it in our hearts and our lives and in our souls. And so if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I had my moment. My moment was free pizza at a Bible club. This is your moment. The Bible says tomorrow's promise to no one. Today is the day of salvation. This is your moment, not me. Yes, you. The one that right now is thinking, not me. God is saying, yes, you. Take this step. When I get to three, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, would you just lift your hand just high enough for me to see it. Put it right back down. One, two, three, go. All over this place. Anybody else? Amazing. Amazing. So proud of you. Anybody else? Quickly. Awesome. So proud of you. Best decision that you ever make with your life. I promise you that. Don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about anybody else. It's a moment with you and God. You can put your hands down. What we're going to do now is we're going to pray. I know for some of you who just raise your hand, whether you're watching online or right here, maybe you've never, maybe you've never prayed before. That's okay. I'm gonna just give you the words, and and would you just repeat them right after me? Just wrap your heart around them. There's nothing magic about these words or anything. The Bible's clear that if you mean this with everything in you, that you will be saved. And so we're a family here. We pray together. So whether you rose your hand or you didn't, would you just repeat these words right after me? Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. I take the pen and I place it in your hands. Would you write my story? Thank you for loving me and thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, before we move on, um, if you just prayed that prayer, can I tell you, uh, you need a Kevin. You need somebody to walk this next part of your journey out with you, and we would love to do that. We'd love to connect with you and and invest in you. And uh, there's a really simple way that we want to get you a free gift from us. It's called The Next Seven Days. And if you just go to our Instagram, DM us the words next seven, we want to send you seven videos that I think will just answer some of the questions you might have and help you along this journey. And then it could be a way that we can help connect with you, invest in you, be there with you. You got to be brave enough to stand alone, but wise enough to know that you shouldn't. So we want to stand with you, walk with you. You just became a part of 
a really cool kind of crazy family who's going to love you so much and we'd love to walk it out with you please we feel like it's our responsibility and our obligation so uh, before you take off just dm us the words next seven to at bridge yth underscore if you don't have instagram just come find one of our leaders we'll help get the videos to you we'll grab an email phone number whatever that we can get these videos to you we promise it will help you hey one more time can we just welcome people into god's family Hey, would you stand to your feet? Would you head to the front if you want to come to the front for worship and nobody distracting anybody? But I want to ask you one more question as we move into this last moment of worship. And the question, the question is this. Um, is your journey available to God? Is your story available to God? Is your life available to God? Because I don't know if you know this, but God wants to use your life. And you, like me, as I say that, probably did the same thing I did, and you're immediately disqualifying yourself. See, my excuse was, I'm too broken. Your excuse, maybe you're, you're a church kid who grew up, and I've had this exact conversation with some church kids. They go, ah. My story's too boring. Here's my story. I grew up in the church since kids ministry. I wasn't allowed to watch Harry Potter growing up. <laughs> like, that's my testimony. I tell you, that's the dopest testimony to have walked with Jesus and never walked away. I dread the first 15 years of my life. I, people go, 15, you got saved so young. I say, what? No, I wasted 15 years of my life. I would give anything to have known Jesus at a younger age. I would, I'd give anything to have been in kids' church singing, Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had... I didn't know who Father Abraham was. Those of you who just got saved and you've never been to church, you're like, who's Abraham? Abraham ain't my dad's name. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> if you're a Christian and you're like, ah, oh, my... Stop disqualifying. I, I'm too broken. My story's too broken. Maybe you're thinking right now, I've messed up too much. Maybe you're thinking right now, I'm too young. Maybe you're thinking right now, I'm too old. Maybe the reason why you think God can't use your journey and your story is because of the reputation you currently have. My reputation was horrible. Doing away with every excuse. Like, what is your excuse? God wants to use your story. Is it available to him? Because here's the thing, things value, things value, it's often determined by whose hands it's in. Can I encourage you? Take the pen of your life and put it in God's hands. Would you do me a favor? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Forget about who's around you. If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands right there where you're at? Don't worry about who's around you. It's your moment between you and God. This month, this month, there'll be a handful of people, a lot of students, some your age, who'll be standing on this platform sharing their story. But I believe that if, we, if we'd be willing, and if we'd be available, this month, God would use all of our stories. Who, who needs to hear your story? Who are you, Kevin, in their life? God, here we are. And we echo the prophet Isaiah, and we say, here we are, God, send us. We make ourselves available to you. Those of us who, who our story is broken. God, you love to take broken things, put them back together and use them for, 
for your glory. God, for those of us who we think our story is boring, God, I pray that you would help to help us realize, God, no matter what our story is like, the answer is the same. It's you. It's you, God. For those of us who think we're too young, help us to remember your word says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. God wants to use you. For any of us who think my reputation, it's, it's, it's so shattered, it's so broken. God, so, Saul, who became Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, was murdering Christians, and then he became a Christian, and within days started preaching the gospel. His reputation was horribly tainted. God, for any of us who think we come from the wrong family or the wrong city or the, or the, uh, the, the, the wrong uh, perspective about ourselves, God, those of us who've lived wrong, God, those of us who are, it's just everything seems wrong, I pray, God, that you would turn those things around. And in this moment, we make ourselves available to you. And we say, use us and use our journey. Let's worship him tonight. God, we worship we praise you. We honor you. You are good.
Would you lift your hands? Proclaim this tonight. You can have it all. You relinquish control to control to him. I just want to remind you guys that our story might not be as exciting as Corey's. Mine, like, definitely isn't. But it's not really about us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. And we're also not bad enough to scare God away. He loves us all anyway. And he wants to use each and every one of us. And he wants to do it starting tomorrow. You don't have to wait. You can wake up tomorrow and just go for it. And God will help you all the way. Amen. Just want to remind you guys the next seven days to DM the bridge and get those resources. Even if you're new on your walk too, it's a super helpful resource. There's a whole bunch of questions. I know I had to when I started walking with God. So use those, you guys. All right. And we'll see you guys on Sunday. <laughs>